Um, we, uh, I just, I wanted to mention during the last week, um, uh, I don't think Gene Moore is here today, but I think he's out east, but Gene's father passed away, and we need to pray for him, and Ed Grant, uh, Ed's father, Ed Grant, passed away, and there was a beautiful obituary in the, um, in the Arizona Republic today. Ed's dad had been a pastor for 61 years. Okay, Methodist pastor, so, okay. And, um, and then I got news yesterday that my mom uh, passed away and, and went to be with the Lord um, about 1 o'clock. And last week, you remember I told you I had been down to see her in Florida, and she was weak but doing well, and um, um, yet she had been uh, really unable to to walk, even with a walker, for three, four months now. And so, um, uh, but last last Friday and Saturday, a week ago, Friday and Saturday, I was with her, spent the morning with her, <clears throat> had lunch with her, had dinner with her and my dad, and brought my laptop and just showed her all sorts of pictures of our, you know, uh, our family at Christmas and some other recent things, and she was so happy about that. And amazingly, at 91, I, I was just showing her how to do text message on my phone, and I sent a text message to our son Alexander in St. Paul, Minnesota. And within a minute or two, of course, he texts back. And, and my mom could read that tiny, tiny print on the text message on my cell phone. Um, so, uh, so that was so, so good. And, uh, and, then, and uh, Sunday, I phoned her. Last Sunday afternoon, I phoned her. Thank you for the beautiful pink roses, which I'd left with her on Saturday. And so she was still uh, very alert. And then um, Monday, she just uh, declined quite a bit and, um, and through the week. And um, the only thing wrong with her was old age. Um, and her body was just wearing out, and she was getting weary. And so her sister, who was, she's, whom she's been so close to for her whole life, um, Went down to to be there with her and got there on Friday, sister and brother-in-law, <clears throat> and they didn't know if they'd get there uh, in time to see her. But she was still she was, but Phil was still able to be there with her. And then my brother Brian had wanted to go to see. He's an optometrist, and he canceled his appointments on Saturday and flew down early Saturday morning. He got there about 11:30 in the morning. Got to spend about an hour and a half with my mom, read scripture passages to her, talk to her, and um, and she she was still just in, just by a hand squeeze or just by a slight facial expression, she was aware that he was there and thankful. And um, and then and my brother and my aunt and uncle and and, and my dad were just they, their hospice was there and they didn't know how long it would be. And so they told her they were just going to get, uh, they were going to go to McDonald's and get a bite to eat. And uh, they walked down to the end of the corridor. They're just going to go out the door. And the hospice nurse said, come back, come back. And she was gone. So um, her whole life was just giving to other people, just caring, caring, caring for, for everybody. Um, and um, I know when I was wheeling her in her wheelchair back from breakfast a week ago, she saw another woman who was uh, 
sitting there in the lounge of this nursing care center. She said, oh, she needs to be covered up. We should go cover her up. I said, no, mom, the nurse will take care of that. So, I mean, but that was, that was, that was her life. And, and she waited to see me, and she waited to see her sister, and she waited to see her son. And then she waited till they went to lunch. <laughs> so... Uh, she was at peace uh, last week when I saw her. She had still just full of joy in her life and, and thanksgiving to the Lord. And, and she's in heaven with him. So, um, John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who li- lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. For their deeds follow them. In Romans 8, 28, her favorite verse. For her whole life. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Um, so I'm just, I'm thankful for her life. And, and, uh, and Rick Nevin said something to me <clears throat> just a few days ago after I came back from Florida. And uh, he said, you know, probably she's the reason for your, me, my uh, positive outlook on life generally. And I, I expect she is. So my dad is doing fine. It was there was a, a lot of experience of grief, you know, just leading up to this because it looked like it was uh, was expected. We have we didn't settle on their pastor who the, the, they wanted to do the funeral is is out of town until near the end of next week. So um, that is that is not exactly settled. And all their relatives, cousins, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, and everything, and our kids are all in Minneapolis area, in the Minneapolis area, which is where they grew up. So the funeral will be in Minneapolis, but because of uh, the doctor's advice, my dad can't travel to Minnesota right now because of his uh, respiratory situation. So the funeral actually won't be until uh, until the spring comes. And um, I talked to Daryl about that a little bit, and he said, no, that, that happens. And, uh, but there will be a little memorial service in Florida for friends they knew in Florida and people in the nursing home. And, and we're not sure when that'll be, just within the next week or two or three. And I'll, I'll, Margaret and I will probably go down. Well, I'll go down for that, and I think Margaret will come with me. So that's where we are. But thank you. Thank you for your prayers and, um, and for your concern. I, I thought yesterday, and Margaret and I talked, should I teach today? But I'm, I, there's a sadness because I miss my mom and I had tears yesterday. But I have joy. She's with the Lord. And there's no bitterness in the sadness when, when a believer dies. It's a, <clears throat> it's, um, it's, a, it's a sadness, but there's, there's a joy that she's in God's presence. And um, yeah, I, knew she, I know she prayed for me often and frequently. And if I'd call her, I'd call her on Sunday afternoons. And uh, she'd wonder, you know, how did my Sunday school class go? Watch which I uh, know means that she was praying for me. Um, but now she's with the Lord, and so she'd want me to teach this morning, and I feel happy to teach. And uh, there's a joy, too. That's uh, sadness mixed with joy. So. 
that, I think that's, that's what I wanted to say. So we're on to... Thank you for your concern, which I can see. So we're on to um, chapter 52, Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, why I'm, I, I am thankful for how much worked out for good. And I, I was there, my, my aunt was there, and my brother was there, and, and my mom got to be with them, and so got to say goodbye in a sense. So, so I'm thankful for all that. Okay, well, let's, let's go on. Chapter 52, Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, oh, here's my mom and dad at their 60th anniversary. And that was, uh, that was a year ago, because they're both 90, they were both 91 now. Yeah. And then we went down, we also went there for her 90th birthday, and here she is with me and my brother Greg and my brother Brian. So, that was a, a little over a year ago. Here we are, schedule. Um, spiritual gifts, general questions. That was last week, and I looked at the outline today, and it's going to take the whole class day today too, and I'll tell you why. It has to do with you and what your role is, what God wants you to do in the church, and what God wants you to do with your life. And and it's uh, and there's just a lot of good material here, so I want to do that. And then next week, this question of have some miraculous gifts ceased? Uh, prophecy, healing, tongues, interpretation, and I suppose casting out of demons. Those are the controversial ones, and, and we'll talk about that question next Sunday. And then, uh, so you have to bring back this outline. Clyde, where are you? Right, Clyde. Clyde make and, and Jerry helps him pass. He, he said people aren't bringing back the outline, so then he's got to make another batch next week. Uh, couple hundred pieces of paper or something. So if you remember to bring back the outline, then we won't have to repeat it. And I think you use this outline next week, too. And then um, uh, and then we'll talk for February 8th and 15th, probably about specific gifts, uh, about healing and prayer for healing on one week, and about the gift of prophecy and hearing from God, and uh, that'll be the, the 15th. And then on to the issues around the second coming, which will be another whole unit, take us several weeks. So that's where, that's where we're headed. Last week, we talked about general questions regarding spiritual gifts. <clears throat> any ability that is, a, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. So it's very, very broad. Um, both those related to natural abilities and those n- not really related to our natural abilities. In the history of redemption in the Old Testament, there was a less powerful work of the Holy Spirit, but he was active, at least to some measure, in the Old Testament. And there are verses that talk about that. And then in the New Testament, Jesus comes and breaks. This is all review from last week. Uh, Jesus comes in the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit, teaching with great power, healing, casting out demons from those who are oppressed. And then he gave power to the twelve and to the seventy in their proclamation. And then, uh, of course, um, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all the believers at that time, and uh, Acts 1.8, Jesus had promised, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, um, and uh, this is what uh, this then happened at Pentecost. And so this new empowering of the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. The question is, should we expect that same kind of powerful presence and work of the Holy Spirit today? Or was this just a blip in history, just blip, and then 
goes back to not much happens. And I think that the New Testament expectation is that once the Holy Spirit comes in this new covenant power, that that's going to be characteristic of the entire church age. And so that's the, that's the whole, the broad perspective in which we understand what the Holy Spirit is given. We talked about purpose of spiritual gifts. <clears throat> They're given to equip the church to carry out its ministry until Christ returns. We talked about that next week. And spiritual gifts are a foretaste of the age to come. That was last week. And we talked about how many gifts there are. Well, at least 20 listed, but I think probably 1,000 or 2,000 or who knows because um, the gifts can have varieties of manifestation. Some people are good at uh, neighborhood evangelism and some people are good at, large, like Billy Graham, at large stadium evangelism and some people are good at radio evangelism and some people are good at writing tract evangelism or evangelistic book and, and so on with all sorts of other teaching, different kinds of teaching gifts, different kinds of mercy gifts, etc. So I think there are a huge number <clears throat> and um, and they will have different expressions. So that's where we ended last week. Now, the, the point of today is going to be for you to say, what gifts do I have? And what can I be doing for the Lord? That's, that's what all this is kind of leading up to. So just keep that in mind. Um, and uh, and I've, I've got some suggestions for how you can think about that and, and attempt to discover it. Um, and, and I'll just say one more thing in terms of uh, relevance <clears throat> of that question to Scottsdale Bible Church. One of the blessings of Scottsdale Bible Church is abundant opportunities to minister in wonderful ways. One of the negatives of a large church is you can become invisible and just become a participant, I mean, a spectator. And Jamie is talking about that in the sermon this morning about reaching the lost. And so that's one way that we can be involved, but there are many ways. And so that's why this is really a big, a big deal for Scottsdale Bible Church. It's because if you are just thinking, I should be doing something in the, in the church or something with the, the gifts the Lord has given me, but I'm not sure what, then I want to help, help you think through that question today. <clears throat> or if you are doing something, just to confirm or maybe... Um, help you, challenge you to, uh, to other service as well. So here we go. There are different ways to classify gifts. Um, people make different groupings. They slice the pie in different ways. <clears throat> Peter puts two categories out, whoever speaks and whoever serves. Okay? I mean, I'm picking on Clyde again. Clyde handed out the... And, and Jerry, full copy handed out the outline. I'm speaking. Whoever speaks, whoever serves. Two different categories, right? Curtis was just speaking up here. Ron was just speaking up here. Um, but uh, um, uh, Daryl and, and Jason are in the back doing the audio. You, you see that you can just fight it that way. Speaks and serves. Um, Ev made an announcement about home fellowship groups. Whoever speaks, that might be the person that's just facilitating it, and whoever serves might be the person who's hosting it. If it's two different people. So, okay, you can divide gifts. So how many groups of gifts are there? Two. <laughs> that's one way. Another way you can divide it, prophetic, priestly, and kingly. Um, prophetic would be kind of uh, ministering the word of God, and, um, you know, these are the, after the Old Testament offices. 
kind of speaking kinds of gifts, or private counseling. See, that would be a prophetic gift in terms of ministering to people's needs of their hearts. And priestly would be prayer gifts, intercession, going before God on the part of people. Um, and uh, kingly would be administrative gifts, like where's Jim Hawkins again? I'm going to use my volunteers here to... Who, who, kingly gift is an administrative gift. Jim Hawkins in charge setting up the chairs here in the Sundays. That's a kingly gift. It's administrative. All right. How do you like that? <clears throat> Just got a big promotion. <laughs> so that's three ways. Okay, now you can cut the pie three ways. Or you can talk about gifts of knowledge, which would be teaching kind of gifts, or counseling kind of gifts, or wisdom kind of gifts, or giving private advice. And You don't understand that? Or gifts of power, which would be... Um, uh, a prayer for healing kinds of things and where you see the Lord working powerfully or or I guess I guess you could say putting the chairs out is a gift of power too you know <laughs> so strength <clears throat> and then speech uh, would be another kind of gift so you can you can you can break them down all sorts of ways I don't think and why am I giving you all this because I've seen these surveys where people just have oh this is the way you have to classify them it has to be rigidly in these categories and I say well okay if that's helpful but just don't don't forget you can cut the pie other ways and look at it other ways. All right, then, the point of the diversity of gifts. Why are there so many? Why didn't God make us all um, um, having the same gift? Uh, evangelism gifts, to do evangelism toward people in the state capitol. Because Curtis is sitting in the front row. Well, because he wanted somebody to bring refreshments this morning. <laughs> Which I just think, oh, I'm going over there, get that cup of coffee and that little... Whatever I eat, and and uh, so we're supposed to be able to depend on each other, and that is what happens in the church. We depend on one another. First uh, Corinthians twelve twelve to twenty six. As the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. If the foot should say, "Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body," that would not make it any less a part of the body. And he goes on with other examples. And then, 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I think what would happen? The eye says to the hand, I don't have any need of you. And the eye says, oh, I'd like that piece of muffin over there, that piece of bagel. The eye says, I want that piece of bagel. And the hand says, forget you. <laughs> I'm not reaching out to get that. Well, you can look at that bagel all day, but if you don't have a hand to pick it up with, it's not going to do you much good. And so, in the same way, Paul is saying, just like the body coordinates, it works together. You need feet, too, because you've got to get over to the bagel. So you've got all different parts of the body. So this is what the church is like. God has made us to be so different. And that means we should not be jealous of each other or look at Pastor Jamie and say, oh, why, why did he get to be the preacher? This why can't I be up there preaching? Well, because... God wants us to say, no, there's Jamie, he's preaching. I'm so thankful for his preaching. I'm thankful for his teaching. Okay? And, and we're, not, we're not supposed to look at each other and be jealous or feel less, less valuable than others because I'm not up there preaching. I must not be very important in the church. Uh-uh, uh-uh. If, if you're doing the sound system, <laughs> Jamie can preach all he wants, but if, if the sound system goes off, you're dead. Okay? So, um, or if somebody doesn't come and open the, open the buildings, et cetera, and care for it. So we're depending on each other. And I don't think we have any idea how many people we depend on on a Sunday morning just to make things work. Or in a home fellowship group, uh, you know, just to make things work. 
or just to survive the Christian life. Just to get, just we depend on the caring of each other. Um, and uh, so, whenever you see somebody with a different gift, just thank the Lord and say, Wow, I'm thankful that the Lord has this person with this gift. Uh, and that's why I can say, Kathy Herod, Center for Arizona Policy, is doing a great job influencing political decisions to be in line with biblical values. And Curtis comes along and says, hey, I want to just reach out and administer evangelism to these people and discipleship. Great. We help each other. So that's the perspective. And Daryl Del Husay, as pastor of Scottsdale Bible Church for 25 years, had this perspective. Somebody comes along with another ministry. Oh, great. God bless you. Go for it. <laughs> and just encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. So that, I don't know, about three, four years ago when I was on the elder board, Ray Larson, who was in charge of facilities at that time, was making a report. He said, last calendar year, in the buildings of Scottsdale Bible Church, do you know how many scheduled meetings there were? Different things going on? 27,000. You go here any night of the week, this is a beehive activity. And during the day, just all stuff going, stuff going because it's just, hey, there's another ministry, let's bless it. As long as its doctrine is sound, believes the Bible, believes in, in Jesus as Savior, let's bless it. Encourage it. What a positive perspective for the whole church. Okay? We depend on each other. Okay, now, here's another deal. Just to correct a misunderstanding. Gifts may vary in strength. Gifts may vary in strength. Well, you think about that. How many people have Bill Bright or Billy Graham type of gifts for evangelism? Very few. But now I think of Byron in our home church back in Illinois. Byron was in the business world. Byron Barkeley's. He was just an evangelist. He just the most cheerful guy you could you could you could imagine. And he was just always bringing people to the Lord. Wasn't Billy Graham, but he had a gift of evangelism, right? And then there are others who are gifted, and you know, one after another, people are coming to the Lord. Now. So there's, there's like an unusually strong gift and then just a gift that functions the local church and then maybe, maybe of various strength. But what about the rest of us? Can we share the gospel with our neighbor? Sure. Yeah, sure, even if we don't have the gift of evangelism. So, or think of a gift of um, teaching. Jamie has amazing gifting in teaching, but there are dozens and dozens and dozens of others who would say in this church, I really don't think I could preach on Sunday morning, but I can teach this men's Bible study, women's Bible study, home fellowship group, children's Sunday school class, got a gift of teaching. It's still a gift of teaching, and God blesses it. Maybe just third grade Sunday school. But year after year, God's blessing your teaching. But then what about everybody else? Aren't we supposed to teach our children? Okay, so... It doesn't Deuteronomy 6 say you shall speak of the, God's words when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you ride? So we all teach to some extent, even though some have a gift of teaching. So gifts can vary in strength that way. Healing. I think from time to time there are individuals in the history of the church whom God has blessed remarkably with gifts of healing. When they pray for people, again and again and again, people get well. Not 100% of the time, but a lot. And then you say, 
well, I, I'm not going to mention this guy's name, but I remember once a church that we were in, there was a there was a research chemist in the church. That was his job during the week. But funny thing, just you notice that when he would pray for people who were sick, they'd get well. Does he have a gift of healing? You can argue about that if you want. But if I'm in the hospital, that's the guy I want to come and visit me. <laughs> now, what about the rest of us? Say, I don't have a gift of healing. But do you pray for each other for recovery from sickness? Sure. Okay. So we can put all these gifts on a kind of a... They vary in strength. But, but let's use what God has given to us and the, and the degree to which God has given. And I don't want you to be discouraged, say, I'm not Billy Graham, so I'm not going to do, do evangelism. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Or I'm not Jamie, so I can't teach anything. Maybe God has equipped you at a different level and for a different niche. Okay? Good. So, Paul can talk about varieties of strength in gifts. Romans 12:6, having di- gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. I think that means that the gift of prophecy uh, in the early church was functioning more strongly in people whose faith was just very, very deep and very, very strong. Um, or Paul, in, with respect to the gift of tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Others had that gift at Corinth, but Paul apparently used it more than everybody else. 2 Timothy 1, 6 I remind you, Paul says to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. Apparently, when Paul prayed for Timothy, God gave some gift to him. It doesn't say what it was. The Bible doesn't specify. So it's a general teaching here. But but Paul was concerned that Timothy wasn't using it. He was letting it die out. So he fan it into flame, stir it up, rekindle it. So, I mean, that's the idea that it can be stronger or weaker, and sometimes with exercise, just like our physical bodies. And uh, <clears throat> how does this happen, this variety of, uh, of varying in strength? First Corinthians 12, 11, all these are spiritual gifts he's talking about. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And that Greek word there, diarun, that's a present participle uh, from diareo, to distribute, to, uh, to, to, to give to various ones. And, and it means that the Holy Spirit is continually working and distributing and giving to different ones as he wills. And so that can be, I think, a stronger or weaker empowering for a different gifts at different times. So if it can be stronger or weaker, I say you're not all evangelists, but you can share the gospel. You're not all teachers, but you can teach your kids. You're not, you don't have a gift of healing, but you can pray for one another to be healed. So how strong does a gift and ability have to be before it can be called a spiritual gift? It's a little hard to answer that question, but my, my, my suggestion is that, because uh, Scripture doesn't answer it directly, but Peter and Paul, when they're talking about gifts, they seem to be talking about abilities which are strong enough to function for the benefit of the whole church. And so... Uh, uh, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, strive to excel in building up the church. So they're, they're somehow functioning in building up the church. Um, <laughs> that's why I was a little hesitant to put shopping on the list of gifts <laughs> last week. Pammy. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can't tell you how many people 
mentioned that to me during the last week. I didn't mean, sh- I meant we were out shopping. We shouldn't re- carry the banner of evangelism. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Pam, Pammy's redeeming herself. <laughs> Those of you who weren't here last week, in the discussion of spiritual gifts, Pammy happened to mention shopping. And, <laughs> and I, I, I think... What shall I say? I kind of took it in a way that she didn't intend, but it could be taken. It and, and that's right. Okay, you, you're you're representing the Lord when you're out shopping. Okay, that's what you meant. Okay. Yeah, and being okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Well, anyway, the. <laughs> I want to say that there are general abilities that are related to spiritual gifts, but usually a gift is something that functions for the the broader benefit of the church or maybe the home fellowship group or something like that. Um, Strive to excel in building up the church. But it's something we use for one another. And sometimes it could be just very not known to many other people. Just you have a gift of praying for people or or encouraging them on the phone and just talking with them and counseling. And um, So uh, anyway... You use it for one another, as each has received a gift, says Peter, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Um, Paul reminds us that not all have every gift. I don't want to say that. I, I want to, this, is, this is to correct a misunderstanding. I'm not saying that everybody has a gift of teaching. I'm not saying everybody has a gift of healing. I'm not saying everybody has a gift of evangelism. I'm saying we have kind of a general ability that's something like uh, these gifts. But Paul uh, reminds the Corinthians in this body imagery that the eye is not a hand, the hand is not a foot, etc. And so I want to be true to that. And here's where he makes it more explicit. Are all apostles, and the, the construction here in English, uh, and the context, and more explicitly the construction in Greek with the particle may in front of the question, uh, it implies the answer no. Are all apostles? You're supposed to say no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. See, we can all pray for the sick, but we don't all possess gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. So though do not all have the gift of teaching, all can share or teach the gospel. We've talked about that. Um, And most or all gifts find a counterpart in some general abilities. So I'd call these general abilities found in the life of every Christian. Spiritual gifts are not as mysterious and otherworldly as people sometimes make them out to be. I'm even going to just mention here prophecy and speaking in tongues. I think the gift of prophecy, when I jump ahead about three weeks, is where God brings something to mind and you, you just repeat it. You tell it to others. And you say, I think the Lord just told me this or showed me this. And sometimes that happens to people uh, very frequently and with, uh, with directness and effectiveness. <clears throat> um, is there anything like that, even if people don't have it, in the, in the lives of people generally? Yeah, I think when God guides you uh, or brings something to mind where you should pray for someone or something like that, that'd be a general, uh, general related ability. And the gift of speaking in tongues, which I know is kind of the most controversial area, and we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But uh, if it is speaking in syllables that a person doesn't understand, but it's, but it's prayer or praise, then there are times in our own prayer or or worship, where we just maybe have sighs or groaning or just, oh, Lord. And, and, it, and it's just, you can't look up in the dictionary <clears throat> and find out that it means, Lord, I, I'm just so concerned about um, this 
this cold that doesn't go away, and I know I've got to get this report done for work, and, and my neighbor's giving me all, all sorts of noise when I'm trying to get this report done. And, and, then, um, and then there's this financial difficulty, and, the, and all of a sudden, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things pile up, and you, your prayer is, Lord, and the Lord knows that means please help me with all those things. But it isn't like syllables that are understandable. And there's something like that sometimes in our prayer life. And I think that's kind of an analogous thing to speaking in tongues, too, which is syllables that the speaker doesn't understand, but, but is prayer. But anyway, I, I just say all of that with evangelism and healing and everything to say, I don't think these spiritual gifts are <clears throat> as mysterious or otherworldly as people sometimes make them out to be. And many times... I think in your own life, you're functioning in some gift without recognizing it. Especially mercy helps, compassion, oftentimes prayer. And uh, so one of the things I want to do is say to you, hey, uh, maybe what you're already doing in a small way should be expanded. Maybe it is a gift that God has given you. Okay. And then there's one other thing. Um, I guess that's just, just kind of defining gifts. A gift may be not, not be strong enough to function for the benefit of the entire church in a large church, but that same person may find a younger or smaller church, his or her gifts are much in demand, will bring benefit to the entire congregation. I suppose um, it's <clears throat> the lead music at Scottsdale Bible. You've got to have pretty substantial musical gifts. And there are, there are people here who could lead, but, but it's just there are other people doing it. But if you go into a, a church planning situation, hey, how many people can play the guitar? One. <laughs> All right, you're it. So that can happen. All right, <clears throat> number five. <clears throat> to give person, do Christians possess gifts temporarily or permanently? <clears throat> My answer is this. It, you could, it could be both. Um, ordinarily, Paul pictures a permanent possession of gifts. If I have prophetic powers, having gifts differ, differ according to the grace given to us. Do not neglect the gift you have. And so it looks like people possess these things pretty much permanently in general. Um, and there are titles that describe, you know, there are teachers, there are prophets, there are evangelists. They describe functions that people do regularly. So it looks like an evangelist is one this month, next month, the next month. They, they continue as evangelists. But uh, there are some that are non-permanent by nature. And I, I put in marriage and celibacy because Paul calls them charisma, charisma talk gifts. And if, you, if that isn't, some people think that isn't really persuasive just because he calls it by the same word. Well, anyway, healing, prophecy, and some other gifts might be given for a unique need uh, or event. Um, uh, in any case, the Holy Spirit is sovereign in distributing gifts as he wills. And he could withdraw a gift. I know I would worry if God gave you a gift and you're not using it. Eventually, the Holy Spirit may say, well, I think I'll just empower someone else in that area. Um, are gifts miraculous or non-miraculous? Um, I, I'm going to skip over that, all that wording there, and just say, I, I, don't, I don't think it's too... I don't think it's very faithful to the New Testament to have these really rigid categories of, you know, that's miraculous and that's not miraculous. And... Um, uh, they, they can kind of blend and um, let's see a student comes to my office and he says here's the situation in my life and I'm having this kind of difficulty and can you talk to me about it and I give him some counsel about time management or about 
uh, financial situation, our family situation, our church situation. And, uh, and I said, okay, great, well, that's helpful. And then I say, can I pray for you? Yes, okay, so I pray for him. And I pray, and at the end, he has tears, and he says, oh, that prayer, was just, it just hit home, it ministered to my heart, it was just, just what, it was just what I needed right now. How did you know to pray those things? Now, was that miraculous or non-miraculous? I don't know. Could it have anything to do with 50 other students in the past 30 years have come with the same situation? <laughs> it could have a little bit to do with that. Uh, but could it be that God just brought to my mind at that moment what I should pray? I can't sort it out. I don't know. Is it miraculous? or not? I don't know. It's from the Lord. In either case, I'm thankful to him. Okay? That's what I mean to say. I don't think we need to make a rigid distinction. Okay. Oh, here's the, here's the perspective. <clears throat> yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6 helps us on that. It's the same Holy Spirit, no matter what. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and every one. So how is the Holy Spirit present in Jim Hawkins setting up chairs? Where did that prompting come from in his heart? Who knows how many months or years ago? I think it's from the Holy Spirit. Oh, where did it come from? <laughs> Bob Keane. All right. All right. So the Lord worked through Bob Keane. Okay. I'm I'm happy. It's, you know. Yeah. So, um, it's the same Holy Spirit. All, and we're just thankful. Okay. And I don't think we should. You know, here's a danger. Uh, it's maybe not as custom Bible. Maybe some kind of churches that people start to seek more spectacular, more dramatic gifts. Uh, Paul says, no, strive to excel in building up the church. That's the perspective. What helps the church most? What's most edifying? What's going to contribute? And that'll vary from situation to situation. That'll vary from church to church. Okay? But, but strive to excel in, in where there's need and where you can help. Okay, now, now here's the payoff. How can you discover or seek spiritual gifts? Um, what if many members of a church don't know what spiritual gifts God has given them? Well, I think uh, there's something for the leadership to do and there's something for everybody else to do. Leaders need to ask, are we providing sufficient opportunities for gifts to be used? See, previous generations, I, and maybe in some churches, I don't think it's so true with Scottsdale Bible, the church can become so, so clergy-dominant that there's no chance for anybody else to do anything. And, uh, and that's not good. So there need to be opportunities. But then individuals can begin asking what the needs of, and opportunities for ministry are in their church. And I should put there, you might write in your notes, and in your community, outside your church, evaluating their own desires, abilities, and abilities, and praying for God's wisdom. Boy, there's a lot in that paragraph. And then try ministering in various areas and see where God brings blessing because the goal is the value of Christ grew up to maturity. So, um, end of my freshman year in college, I'm thinking maybe God's giving me a heart for ministry because I'm, I'm, I'm liking doing Bible studies. I'm liking seeing, you know, working in the Lord's work here on campus and stuff. And I had heard from Edmund Clowney, president of Westminster Seminary, if you think you have a gift, try it out. 
So I'm thinking maybe God wants me to go into the ministry. Aha. Next step. Try it out. What would the next action item be? The next action item would be go to the superintendent of Sunday schools at Park Street Church in Boston and say, do you need a teacher for anything? And he said, fourth grade boys. I said, great. So that was where I started. Sophomore year in college, I'm teaching fourth grade noisy boys. And it was great. It was fun. I loved it. Try it out. And, see what, and God is bringing blessing to it. And so on. And so I... So, so now, um, just let me look ahead here. Okay. I want to go back to this. Begin. What are the needs and opportunities for ministry in your church and in your community? What are your own desires and abilities? How has God made you? What's he put on your heart? And pray for God's wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, James 1, 5 to 6, let him ask God. Okay. Now, here's a great place to start. If, if, you, if you're thinking, what can I do for the Lord anywhere? And it might be inside the church, and it might be at the state capitol, and it might be in a mission situation, but it might very much be in your neighborhood or in your workplace. I don't know. what. Kind of, but, but let me ask you this. What touches your heart? Okay? Where well, you've seen something, you say, somebody should do something about that. <laughs> somebody should do something about that. And then next week, you see some headline in the paper where there's something going wrong with something. Somebody should do something about that. And then, and then you see something on TV where something, or you see something in your neighborhood that comes, somebody should do something about that. And, and where, where it doesn't look like God's kingdom is being manifested. Where, where people's lives are dysfunctional, they're, they're, they're living alienated from the Lord, there's, 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 there's all sorts of destructive conduct or behavior. I wish somebody would do something about that. Now, about the fourth or fifth time you say that in your heart, I want you to take out the word somebody and put in the word I. Somebody should do something about that. All right, try I. I should do something about that. Uh Uh-oh, what happened? Maybe God is calling you in that area. See, where does God touch your heart? Is that making sense? A little bit, a little bit. It might be just caring for people that keep running across your path. You say, oh, that person really needs a friend. Somebody should do something about that. (laughs) Okay? What about reaching out to people outside the church? A lot of... Oh, we're in a a, a home... We're just in their Truth Project uh, group uh, with Ed and Diane and Jack and Pammy and some others. uh, uh, um, Ben and Sharon. Ben and Sharon. Sharon, But one of the conversations one night was maybe we should be thinking about doing less in the church and more where God has put us in the world. It was a really good conversation for all of us thinking about that. Uh, so I don't know. It could be both. But where is God touching your heart? What will result also in asking about gifts is your days will be oriented toward helping others in the church or in the world. And I think that should be true for all of us. Your days will be oriented to helping others in the church and in the world. 
it might be that a lot of what you're doing in helping others is actually through your place of employment or actually through the kind of job and work that you do. I mean, God can work through that too in many ways, just in, in, the, in the secular workplace. It can become a sacred workplace just by the, the, the fact that you're there and ministering, caring to people. <laughs> I'm not going to point out anybody, but I've seen somebody right now that I think is, that's true of. Um, it might be true. Um, I'm seeing some, well, look, I'm, I'm, I see Ben Smith here, who's a physician. And uh, that, that might be. Just the, the attitude uh, that you have toward people, the silent prayers you make, that, that may be a lot of what. And, and Mike, uh, down your research facilities at ASU, uh, praying for others, caring for them, just they don't even know what's going on. But that may be that a lot of what God wants you to do might be in your workplace, too. So I'm, I'm just, am I making sense on this? Uh, it doesn't mean it has to be a... But, but your, your mindset, your heart, your days are oriented toward helping others in the world or in the church. Where's Joyce Martindale? Is she here? She's usually back here somewhere. Joyce is processing people's insurance claims week after week. Oriented toward... The, the way she interacts with others that she processes, that can be a ministry. Am I making sense? Okay, um, but that means for all of us that our mindset when we wake up in the morning is not selfish. What can I do to make myself happy today here in lovely Arizona? It's not selfish and it's not a neutral mindset. You wake up in the morning, oh, how can I just survive today? But your mindset when you wake up in the morning is other-directed. How can I do the most good I can do today for others? Why? Other directed. Other directed. Why? Because in this right, in the heart of this material and spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Paul says, he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. And he concludes chapter 13 with the greatest of these is love. Okay, so he's got spiritual gifts, but he says, pursue spiritual gifts earnestly desire spiritual gifts. But you have to follow that in love. And uh, so uh, the gifts are going to pass away, but love lasts forever. And love is seeking the good of other people. Isn't it? So then our mindset is, how can I help others? So that's something. What does God put on your heart? Do you have a mindset of, I'm going to be other-directed and acting, and that's imitating God's attribute of love and caring for others. How can I help others? And then there's going to be meaning and joy in your life. And then the problem that I know some people feel at Scottsdale Bible Church, I just come and I go home, I come and I go home, and I don't get to know anybody, and I'm kind of lonely, because that can happen in a big church. That's going to be solved, because when you are starting to give to other people, you're eventually going to become networked with others who are caring for other people. I see some nods out here. And it's in serving others that you often come into fellowship uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that question of, you know, how, how can I get to know others? Well, that's solved by serving. The greatest of these is love, being other-directed. Jesus said, Matthew 10:39, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You lose your life in giving it to others, and you find it. Say, how did I ever knew I could be so happy? Because I'm, I'm doing what God called me to do. All right. 
And then pray for wisdom. Pray. And you know, uh, Henry Blackaby is a Southern Baptist pastor who put out this book called Experiencing God. And he is, he is very strong on something else that's wonderfully helpful here. And that is, where do you see God working? God is probably working, or he's, God is working, all around you. Ask him to open your eyes and show you where he is working. And I think with the idea that he'll give you a heart to, to get involved in what he is doing. So, so where is he working? In your apartment complex, in your neighborhood, or in the church? I don't, I don't know. Wherever. Or, so so uh, if you see God working, that's another hint of what he wants you to be doing. Um, what's in your heart? Where do you see desires? Uh, are you other-oriented? And then pray and just spend some time resting in the Lord's presence, saying, Lord, help me to understand what's going around me and, uh, and where you are working. Seeking gifts. Uh, you can seek more gifts. That's point B. You can ask God. Of course, you can pray for them and seek opportunities to try them. We'll skip that. We'll skip that. Um, point eight. I'll start with, I'll take two minutes on point eight next week, and then we go on to, <clears throat> then we go on to, I uh, have some gifts ceased, or do they still exist today? And I didn't stop. For any questions, and I've only had two minutes left. Uh-oh. Two minutes. <laughs>